This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Dallas Morning News. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and this week we have special guests Tom and Lisa Perini of Perini Ranch Steakhouse in Buffalo Gap. They're celebrating 40 years of cowboy cooking and celebrity visits. Then we'll talk about another legal dispute in the barbecue world, this time between Lockhart Smokehouse and Crossbuck Barbecue. What is it about smoked meats that makes people so litigious? We'll find out right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make every recipe in the cookbook foodie or a my favorite recipe is reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food for information on our show and lots of food and drink stories. And you can always share your thoughts with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Also, if you're a fan of the Eat Drink DFW podcast, please do us a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us as well so you'll always know about new episodes. Later on, we'll be hearing from Tom and Lisa Perini of Perini Ranch Steakhouse. But first, let's chat about the latest food and drink trends with writer Sarah Blaskovich, Claire Baller, and Imelda Garcia. So, Claire, you had a big story last week about yet another barbecue feud. Can you tell us about it? (laughs) Yeah. So this is common in the barbecue industry, but there's a legal battle unfolding between Lockhart Smokehouse, which is a barbecue restaurant that started in Bishop Arts. They now have three locations in North Texas and Crossbook Barbecue, which is a newcomer to the scene, a barbecue restaurant farmer's branch that opened in 2022. So the owners of Lockhart Smokehouse, a couple named Jill and Jeff Burgess, filed a series of lawsuits against their former pitmaster, Tim McLaughlin, and his family. These lawsuits allege that they went against their contractual duties to Lockhart and that they tried to economically harm the barbecue restaurant. So here's the backstory first. Tim opened Lockhart with the Burgesses in 2011, and he worked as a pitmaster there until he was fired in December 2020. He says he was fired for questioning the Burgesses about their restaurant's finances, and they say they fired him for his behavior towards them and their staff. Either way, after he was fired from Lockhart, he went on to open Crossbuck Barbecue in 2022. He opened it with a former colleague who was a manager at Lockhart, and not long after they opened, the Burgesses sued that former manager for going against a non-compete clause he signed while he was employed with them. They also sued another former Lockhart employee who went to work at Tim's new restaurant, and they sued him for the same reason, for going against a non-compete. Fast forward to this year, Tim filed a pre-suit petition in April against Lockhart to seek information on his and his family's investments in the barbecue restaurant. He is still a minority shareholder. That's an important thing to know. 
in Lockhart. So he Correct. owns Crossbook Barbecue now, but is still a minority shareholder in the Lockhart business. Correct. He says he's tried to sell those minority shares for years, but the Burgesses have not come to the table. After he filed that pre-suit petition, the Burgesses then filed three lawsuits against him, his business, his wife, and his mother-in-law, who is also an investor in Lockhart. In those lawsuits, they say that Tim created a strategy to destroy Lockhart by interfering with their relationships with employees and vendors. They also say that his wife defamed Lockhart in social media posts and that Tim and his mother-in-law basically questioned their obligations to Lockhart as investors and made some sort of accusations against the restaurant. Tim denies all of these accusations. Uh, He says he's just trying to run his own business and hasn't tried to pull employees or vendors away from Lockhart. Uh, The Burgesses say that they just want to settle these lawsuits, which, by the way, are seeking $250,000 to a million dollars each in damages. They say they just want to move on. Both parties say that they just want to come to the table and figure this out, but neither seem to be really moving in that direction. So it'll be interesting to see how this gets settled in court. This seems like a lot of lawsuits. It is. (laughs) It was a lot of paperwork (laughs) to read through to write this story. But not actually a lot of details in the lawsuits. Yeah, the allegations that were laid out in the lawsuits were thin on details. There weren't any descriptions of what these comments were that were made by Tim's wife, allegedly, that were defaming in nature. There weren't any details on what Tim had done to lure vendors or employees away. It's all rather vague, which made it a little bit tricky to report on. This is a good telenovela, you know? <laughs> it because, is. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of juicy stuff and passion. And we, in Mexico, we have this um, Pueblo Chico, Infierno Grande. It's like little town, giant hell. And this is the barbecue stuff here in North Texas. I mean, it's wow. Yes. This is, this is juicy. I also think that a lawsuit won't fix this. You know, as a personal fan of barbecue, as a professional person who writes a lot about barbecue, I'm thinking in the long run about these two businesses. You know, can they both operate separately with people who used to work together? And I think, yeah, Crossbuck Barbecue is near the Dallas Galleria. Lockhart has a couple of locations that are not there. They don't feel like the same barbecue restaurant, in my personal opinion. They don't even really have the same food, even though it's the same genre. So reading Claire's story was just surprising to me because I'm like, why is this such a big deal? And wow, so much money is going to be spent that's going to go to attorneys and not to either of these families or to their family businesses. Yeah, it's one of those things where who wins here? The lawyers. Yes. They're the only ones who win. You know, what's interesting is that this is so common in the barbecue world. The Burgesses even acknowledged that. Jill Burgess told me that this is just how it seems to go. And I asked her why. I asked her why she thought this was such a common storyline in the barbecue industry. And she said the breaking up is probably the oldest story in barbecue. It's kind of an age-old barbecue tradition. At a certain point in time, there's a level of success and people disagree. Sarah has written quite a bit about barbecue lawsuits. How, I mean, how many have there been in recent years? So we've written about four notable family feuds. This one makes five. But these are just the big ones. Often a barbecue family feud has to do with family. Right. Claire, your story, this is not a family feud. These are people who used to work together and are trying to work that out legally. Most of the feuds that we see, you know, are brother, sister, uncle, father, son. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that that is not just specific to barbecue, but is restaurant wide too. Working with family, I think is challenging. And when someone gets successful or has big ideas that don't match another person's, it's somehow worse if it's family. 
And it seems like what happens in barbecue too is you have family members break off and then try to take the same name and go do the same thing. It's a bad idea. It never works out. Now here's the difficulty with the name. Claire, it's an excellent point. It is a bad idea to open a restaurant with similar names because that's confusing. But then the people opening the second restaurant have a pretty good defense, which is it's their name. True. You know, they're like, it's mine, just like it's yours. And so I can totally see the conflict with the name. But when you think about Google searches and in commerce in general, how people could make themselves unique and identifiable, seems to me like a better way would just be to go with a different name. Yeah, but I think sometimes when the offshoots are using the name, they want to capitalize probably on of course. the success of the one that is already very established. Yeah, and that language is said almost exactly the way that you stated it, Erin, in lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. Yay, I can be a lawyer. <laughs> Charge like 500 an hour. Yeah, can we say right now that none of us are lawyers? Yes, none yeah. of us yeah. are the lawyers. Knows Disclaimer. That, but. <laughs> uh, to Imelda's point, I said this on the podcast before, I think, Sarah, when you wrote about one of these lawsuits, barbecue feuds, This is like a prime opportunity to create some sort of reality TV on barbecue feuds that I think would give Vanderpump Rules a run for its money. And we're going to stream it in Spanish yeah, because it's also a telenovela. Yeah, it's a telenovela. (laughs) Well, sometimes with these families too, there's like a a bit of a Duck Dynasty feeling. (laughs) So, you know, you've already got some of that like... Man, you guys, I love Texas barbecue so much. I don't know if this makes any sense, but writing about these for me personally and Claire reading your story, it just sort of hurts my heart. Barbecue is so special to Texas. It is special to me and I don't want to see people fight over it. There's enough brisket in the world for all of us. But you know what? After each and every one of these, there's always even more good barbecue that comes out of it somehow. Yeah, that's a great point. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. The phoenix rises from the brisket burnt ends. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Well, on that note, coming up next, we're going to hear some cowboy stories from Perini Ranch Steakhouse. What a perfect pairing. Yeah, that's right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. The famed Perini Ranch Steakhouse in Buffalo Gap is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. Sarah Blaskovich recently wrote a touching story about them at dallasnews.com food that chronicles their humble covered wagon beginnings and their biggest celebrity visits. But we recently sat down with Tom and Lisa Perini to hear all about their journey in their own words. We, la- we laugh about this, but when people come out to this part of Texas, it is what we call the Texas that they expect. Because, you know, Texas is now big between Dallas and Houston and all these big cities. And so when you get out here, you'll see cowboys and cattle and oil pump jacks and things like that. I think that's what people, especially people coming from other countries, expect Texas to be. The Steakhouse is certainly a destination restaurant. I love to say no one's ever driven by and said, hey, honey, let's try this place because you really have to work at it to get to it. And that's become really part of the mystique of the restaurant. And it also has helped to turn into sort of a mini vacation. So whether you live in Abilene or you live a lot further away, it's really a change of pace to come to the steakhouse and have dinner and experience the ranch, the outdoors. It's on a dirt road. So don't wear your best shoes when you come and don't worry about 
about washing your car to make a good impression because you don't have to do that. But when you enter the steakhouse, you'll cross a cattle guard. A lot of people don't know what that is, but it's, you know, keeps the cattle on the right side of the road and the right side of the fence. And we cross a cattle guard in a caliche driveway and you drive up to the steakhouse. And I think the first thing you think is, wow, there's a lot of cars in this parking lot. But then you open the door and the best thing is the aroma of the steaks being cooked over mesquite wood. The coals are burning. And the live fire. And the live fire. And it just smells so incredible. Even now, when I smell it every day, there are some days I drive up and I'm just like, oh my God, that smells so good. Tom also likes to talk about the early days of the steakhouse, about how they didn't follow the rules. I didn't know anything about it. And so we did not follow the rules where you're supposed to be on a corner of an intersection and you're supposed to be on a major road. And so we had this barn and I said, well, this is where we're going to put a restaurant. So for the first 12 years, it was a negative because people could not see us from the highway. It's all word of mouth. It took a long time to build up. But now that has become the positive of the steakhouse. So the negative of not being on that busy corner, now is a positive because we're not on that busy corner. And Perini Ranch got a few big breaks in 1995. The steakhouse was doing better. At that same time, Governor Bush asked us to start catering for him, which was a major plus. And the James Beard House called and asked us to come to New York and cook. I mean, that was a big league. We've been back probably seven or eight times. The Perinis are also really proud of their menu and the dishes that they have stayed true to over the years. Of course, the steaks are fabulous. It's Perini Ranch Steakhouse for a reason. And we serve certified Angus beef, and we're very proud of that. It's a great beef program, and so we have fabulous steaks. Our fried catfish is pretty darn exceptional, I think. We like to say you can get steak in lake instead of surf and turf. Uh, then side dishes, there's green chili hominy. Tom, that's a creation of yours. We created that. It has a New Mexican feel to it. And you know, no one thinks about hominy, but it's our most, our largest seller. People have had bad experiences with hominy or they'll, you know, they go, ooh, hominy, ooh. But, or they don't know what it is. A lot of people will say, this is the best mac and cheese we've ever had. And we're like, that's not mac and cheese. But it's, so hominy is a really interesting thing. All of our sides, we've stayed true to our course from 40 years ago. We did the hominy, we do an old-fashioned flat green bean with bacon drippings. And I say, I tell this to people, I said, what makes them so great is the pot liquor after you eat the beans and that wonderful flavor. And we have a cowboy potato, which is cut up and cooked in the oven with, I think, a little bacon drippings. <laughs> You're consistent on that, Tom. <laughs> and, then we, and then we have zucchini perini. And so we had to put a little Italian twist. And this was a friend of ours, a family member from... Rome opera singer, and she sent me this recipe. And so it's it has zucchini and a great red sauce. And, and so all of these things we still have on our menu. Now, we don't have a baked potato. Of course, if you want one, we'll fix it, but it's not listed. We don't do French fries because everybody else does. When it's time for asparagus, we have a grower, big farmer, and he'll call and he'll say he's, hey, he has all this asparagus and he'll bring 50 pounds of asparagus and we'll grill it and, and then the same but thing. But what about in the summer when he calls and he has yellow squash and then he has more yellow, yellow squash. squash and then there's more yellow squash. <laughs> yes, but the thing that's really nice is that when he calls and he has real tomatoes. Vine-grown tomatoes. tomatoes. And so we do a salad 
a caprese salad and Paula Lambert's mozzarella cheese. And it is Tom's favorite day when caprese salads show up on the menu. They are delicious. But, you know, you can really tell a difference in the homegrown tomato. We have tried to stay true to Texas. So, yes, we have catfish. We have shrimp. We, of course, do lots of beef. And we will do something for a special occasion that might be a lobster tail. But we don't have many lobsters in the Gulf. So we have to tell people that that's we're going way far out. So most of our menu are things that you can get between New Mexico and here and down to the coast. The one thing that we have really tried to do is quality and consistency. Those are two very important things in the restaurant business. And that's what we've lived by all these years. And so if it's not right, we don't serve it. And it better be the same way it was yesterday. And if you liked hearing from the Perinis, be sure to check out their own podcast called Meet Me at the Wagon, produced by Texas Monthly Studios. Check the show notes for more details. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink@dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Spoken Layer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.